What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We're back and we're going through another college conference review. Andy and myself back to preview the Big Ten. Another one of the proposed super conferences, I guess, soon to be, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> Something like that now, isn't it? Every other week I can't <laughs> keep up. I'm, like You blink and there's a new new team moving conference now, don't you? So it just feels like it's not worth talking about till it's all sh- shaken out a bit, really. So. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, Kansas this week, isn't it? And... Uh, maybe Iowa State as well. But yeah, like you say, let's leave that. Let's kind of leave that in the past. And like I say, it's not worth really going into until it all shakes itself out. But obviously, another kind of big piece of news that's come out this week is obviously about young Quinn Ewers, who will be rocking up at Ohio State a little bit early. This is kind of split opinion, eh? pretty much split opinion. You put a poll out on the Twitter account, didn't you? Talk, talk to us about that and then like give us your thoughts on this whole situation. Yeah, it ended up about 50-50 that... Mm. that um... Uh, that, that little poll we did didn't it and it kind of split opinion in the in the kind of like chat that we've got going for, for like our college football stuff um people sort of kind of I think you're on this side kind of taking the view that you maximize your education you go and uh, and kind of play your senior season and then go to college with the kind of best education you could have and go and take that forward there and and to be fair I, I think I lean that way normally anyway um in this exception and to be fair, Kieran kind of did explain it quite well, didn't he, mm, in the chat, saying like yeah. he'd only got one class left to do. And so if you can do that class over the summer, what is the harm in going and enrolling a year earlier, getting a bit more money, sorting all that out with the, the name, image and likeness stuff going on, which completely get, especially if you're the number one player in the season, uh, sorry, number one player in the country in terms of recruiting. Um, and... With Ohio State, I guess Ewers has got a chance to go in there and make such an impact that there's not an established quarterback already. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how he kind of slots in. You you feel like he won't start this season, given the kind of lateness he's joined the programme and that sort of business. Um, so it's, a, it's a bit of a conflicting one, isn't it? It feels to me like this is OK as long as it's the exceptions of the rule. Like if you've got every Tom, Dick and Harry kind of coming out a year early, not maximising their education without the potential to go into the NFL at the other end, then you just feel like you're undercutting yourself in terms of your, your future prospects, which, like, you know, that's their system's different to ours, isn't it, as well, which is why it seems so alien. I mean, like, if, mm. you said, if you said to us, I'll oh, go into uni after my uh, I've finished my A-levels, but actually I'm not going to do my A-levels, I'm just going to go to uni now, you'd be a bit like, what, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? Like, yeah. Yeah. So it just feels a bit weird. But their education system's like that. And Kieran, again, explained the fact that You've got quite young people, like early teens, going in and doing uh, college over there. If you can pass the courses, you can pass the courses and, and upwards you go. So interesting debate. Um, obviously, he's decided to enrol and he's going to go and compete for the starting job um, at Ohio State. So I guess we'll just kind of see how that goes, really, won't we? And, and kind of see how quickly it takes him to get, find his feet. Yeah, and I guess see how many follow the trail as well, because... Like what you said, I think I think I agree with the way that you've summed up. To be honest with you, we, I think we're both on the same sort of side of the aisle, let's say, in terms of education first. But then after Kieran explained it, I kind of backed down quite a bit. 
in terms yeah. of, like you say, it's such an alien system and, like you say, we wouldn't really be able to skip and things like that. I do think, it, it, I always said with the caveat of he'll be all right because, obviously, he's so highly thought of. He's going to, like, a massive school and things like that. For lesser prospects, you know, with that education, if he just sort of fell off the radar in terms of football or whatever, you know, you've maybe made, what, 100 grand, maybe a little bit more off NIL deals, but then then if you've not got, like, your education to fall back on, especially in America, it just seems like it's such, like, a slippery slope. So, yeah, and- Sorry, I, I was just going to say, if this this happened a couple of years ago with someone like Tate Martell, you'd be in a situation now where you're a bit like, that was a bad decision. <laughs> like yeah. You've, yeah. you've kind of gone and burnt your bridges and, and you haven't, obviously the education thing might not be his biggest worry because he's probably skipped around, and, but you've just kind of lost your kind of childhood as well sort of thing. Mm. You've gone and you've had to grow up quickly. You've just, you've realised that you're not good enough. You've made some really bad decisions, skipped around schools and suddenly you're at the end of your kind of tether. I mean, how old is Tate Martell now? Like 22, 23 and he's walking yeah. on in, in uh, Nevada, isn't he? So it just feels a bit well, like, mate, you've, you've screwed this up completely. So hopefully this newest doesn't go that route and talent-wise he seems to be a bit better than Martel as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Martel's a great example, really high-profile example, but you think there must be a lot of smaller examples of that sort of thing who could fall foul to this sort of thing. And do you know what? From a footballing perspective, take all the other stuff out of it. He's missing those reps, you know, where he's not going to play. He would have obviously played his senior year at high school and he's not going to play at Ohio State this year. So he's missing those reps and that's really important for a young player. You know, yeah. not that we dip into high school tape that much going back, but it's just his experience, isn't it? And him just being able to go out there and prove himself, even at that small level. That's it. What, what happens now? Because CJ Stroud's a redshirt freshman. So he's got two years, two, three, maybe, at, maybe at least, in three yeah. years before yeah. he decides to, to go to the league. What happens if CJ Stroud comes in with this kind of fantastic supporting cast he's got, goes unbeaten, makes the playoffs? US isn't going to get a look in next year because of that kind of, you know, he, he, Stroud's going to have his feet under the table. US then surely regrets his decision to go. He's not played any games. He's kind of sat there thinking, I'm now the second string quarterback for another two years unless I transfer. And then off you go into the transfer portal. And I've no doubt, again, he'd find his feet because of the high profile nature of who he is. But will Ohio State kind of try and fudge it and split reps and you know, it just all goes down. It's just strange, like the way it could develop, but a really interesting one to follow, really. Yeah, and obviously they're going to have a bit of a log jam at quarterback anyway, because obviously they've got Jack Miller, haven't they? I believe he's a four-star, who's behind Stroud now, and then they've got Ewers coming in, and then another freshman who's on the roster at the minute as well. So they've just got a whole bunch of young quarterbacks. Stroud and Miller are redshirt freshmen, and obviously yeah. McCord and Ewers are, are real freshmen, true freshmen. There's no one experience in that, and obviously they can't all play, and they're all talented. So as all as they obviously you know enrolled in Ohio State and they've been recruited by Ohio State, so someone's going to be someone's going to be left without a chair when the music stops, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And you know you can just see them all transferring, but then they kind of shoot themselves in the foot in a way because they're not going to play with the talented sort of cast they've got around them. And the, the, a couple of those guys you mentioned, if they don't get looking this season, they're going to end up on I don't know, pick a team, Illinois, someone like that is going to pick them up, and then they're going to have to kind of you know, acclimatised and stuff there. So, yeah, I wonder whether all this sort of um, NIL and all that sort of business will will kind of lead to a bit more sort of diversification amongst the leagues of the top prospects. Obviously, if you go to Alabama, you're going to get, probably get more money from the NIL stuff. But if you go and be that true star, four or five star quarterback at a smaller school and 
that region's going to love you, aren't they? And you're going to mm. pick up a bit more money from that. So yeah. that's another interesting tale we could see. I mean, there's that five-star quarterback that's kind of sat behind Desmond Ritter and uh, um, Cincinnati. Can't remember his name off the top of my head. First five-star they've ever had. Yeah. When he comes to the fall next year, he's timed it perfectly. Cincinnati on the rise, like the NIL stuff, he's going to be kind of sat there thinking there's no other sort of big college football players in this area give me the money sort of thing. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure Kieran will be getting a photo with him outside Skyline Chile or something <laughs> like that in a few in a couple of years' time or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on for sure. Because obviously, college football the landscape is just changing so much with the NIL, and obviously, you know, this obviously being the new precedent that might be set. So, yeah, eyes peeled for that, I guess. But you know, I got in my overview here just to move into that. It's Ohio State's <laughs> um, conference, really, isn't it? You know, four yeah. years on the bounce. Ryan Day just seems to. Have just picked up from wherever my left and there's just been no like drop off or discernible dip in form at all. Like I say, they're going to have this log jam of QBs as well. So they're going to be good for a while, no matter who's there because obviously they're all talented. So like, is there anyone who's going to challenge them at the top or how would you see this guy going? Because to me, the big 10 is like, it's pretty set. Like the good teams are good and the bad teams are bad. Like you've got Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, who are basically always good. Illinois, Rutgers, Maryland, and Nebraska, to be fair, have been really disappointed since they've joined the conference as well. And they're all, they're all obviously pretty bad a lot of the time. Michigan are the, the one exception, obviously, are a historical superpower, but haven't won a conference title for 2004, I think, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. And Michigan State have even won two since then. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've got I've got Penn State circled in my paper in front of me as the, as the kind of one team I think can topple Ohio State if anyone can this year. Um, I got a lot of faith in in Mike Urich who they've brought in as their new offensive coordinator. They've clearly just kind of handed the reins again to Sean Clifford and said, look, the two kind of guys that were competing with you have transferred out. You've got a whole kind of freshman crew sat behind you at quarterback. This is your team. Go and kind of make it your own. Got, he's got some really good talent around him. Obviously, we can talk about Johan Dotson. It could have gone in the draft this year. He's back. I really, really like Parker Washington, who's their kind of slot guy. And you'll kind of hear me talking a lot about him this year, I think. Sort of absolute um, safety valve sort of player, but also like, strikes me a bit of like an Elijah Moore, um, that sort of guy. They've got four running backs with collegiate starting experience. They've got Rashid Walker at left tackle, who's one of the best in the class. Mm-hmm. Um so for me, Penn State are kind of up there and I can very much see them challenging this season if it all just comes together. Obviously, they had a bit of an embarrassing start last year, but then they covered it up at the end. There's also the kind of fact that that embarrassing start where they lost four or five on the bounce, like the majority of them were one-score games. And if you go into dive into the like analytics world, you kind of say that three of them are expected wins based on kind of like that sort of thing. And so it's, you know, you've got a couple of freak plays and a couple of mistakes led to the losses there. So for me, Penn State are a much better team than they looked last year in terms of kind of final uh, tally, final standings in the, in the conference. So yeah, I'm a bit, I'm big into them. My only problem with them this year is their kind of strength of schedule is quite difficult. They've got Auburn as an out of conference game, which isn't going to be a walkover whatsoever. Mm. We've got Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan. They're playing all the kind of big guns in the conference. So, um, yeah, Penn State, for me, if they click, they could they could do it. But like you say, Ohio State just should be and, and are obviously the, the favourites for a reason. Yeah, obviously the, the guys on the scouting podcast when we're talking about offensive line, 
covered a couple of their guys, one in particular, uh, Mumford at left tackle. They've got not a bad offensive line generally, you know, and then they've obviously got Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Ruckert, obviously CJ Stroud, you know, and the defence isn't looking bad either. I'm just looking through their, their schedule as well as you're kind of going through your blurb there. And it's not looking, it's not looking overly challenging. I think we obviously mentioned the Oregon game that they've got that's the second game of the season. We're thinking that Oregon's young team is probably going to have a bit of a problem there, although it looks a tough game on paper. Yeah. And then it doesn't really get it doesn't really get too much into it, you know, until the end of the season. Obviously, we're probably expecting Indiana, maybe we'll mention them. Then they've got Penn State the week after that. But they're out of schedule, sorry, out of conference schedule, Tulsa and Akron are the other two, apart from Oregon. And then you probably, you've got the I'll say the layups of the conference. It's not like the Penn State schedule that you've got yeah. there with the other Rutgers, they've got Maryland, they've got Michigan, who they always beat, obviously. So it's looking pretty ominous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so it should, to be fair. Like you say, they've got incredibly talented players, haven't mm. they? I, I'm quite interested in CJ Stroud's stories, not the kind of, if you look at you, as we've mentioned already, it's not that same sort of, um, you know, born to be that five-star guy and come in and, and swan away with the job. It, he's obviously, he started out three, as a three-star guy. He, he went in as a kind of unheralded quarterback to the Elite eleven won that as the as the main quarterback there mm. and obviously popped him up in the recruiting world, went from a three-star to a four-star and suddenly became a lot more widely recruited, which, so it's quite interesting, his background. I, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, the kind of rags, not rags to riches, because that's always a bit of a, like a bit of a bullshit thing to say, isn't it really? <laughs> but, um, but that kind of, He's worked to get where he's got where he is. That's that kind of story that's going to keep motivating him now. He's obviously going to see this big five star, you know, uh, you know, hundred out of hundred on the recruit on the recruiting rankings at two four seven for for years. So he's obviously got a lot about him. And yeah. Stroud's going to be looking over his shoulder, thinking, do you know what? I've got to go out and I've got to perform at a top top level here to keep this job. So I wonder if that will motivate him. And and it's either going to go one of two ways. Isn't it? He's going to go in and lights out light up Oregon in that second game and we're going to be like wow this is the guy of the future or six games in we're going to be like he's stumbling along here you as you've had you've had your kind of three months on campus mm. you're the big big gun go and do it so yeah it's going to be like a lot of pressure on that guy's shoulders but from everything that we're hearing he seems to be the sort of the guy yeah and do you know what some players really rise to that pressure don't they so it's not always a kind of frightful look behind you. It's sometimes a motivating factor. So, yeah, yeah exactly. so we've got obviously there two two teams um, in the East. Um, the team that I wanted to mention as well is actually in the West, and that's Iowa. Now, I know you would have watched Iowa quite a lot because you were a big M.A. Smith-Marset fan My guy. Uh, last year. Um, this team is a little bit like, they, they kind of remind me of when you were talking a couple of weeks ago about the Pac-12 and you were talking about Utah. They're kind of a team that plays above their standing when you look at their team on paper. They're just always there, aren't they? They're always good. And they're always kind of up there in the wins, kind of what I've said before, you know, the teams that kind of remain at the top, remain at the top. And they're talented at the, the places where you expect an Iowa team to be talented as well. They've got good offensive line, kind of headlined by the centre, Tyler Linderbaum, who the guys talked about last night on the scouting pod. Pretty much seems to be everyone's favourite centre, you know, yep. pretty much across the board. And they've got talented tight ends, Sam Laporta, obviously coming from the school that's created a lot of good tight ends, you know, George Kittle, um, the two guys that um, came out together the other year. Um, who I'm forgetting Huffington. the names of? Yeah, Fanton. Fant- yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for helping me out. I was, <laughs> I was blanking right. on those. Um, but yeah, Laporta seems quite quite talented as well. And 
the way that they run everything is really pro style. And to be fair, like a lot of the teams in this conference run a really pro style. It's, it's proper football, isn't it? It's a lot of running, yeah. cold weather, um, and quite a few pro style. It's not this spread out offense kind of thing where, where you're getting a lot of conferences, um, especially out west. And um, I'm really wanting to keep an eye on Tyler Goodson this year, the running back, because obviously the way that they run the ball, he's always going to get touches. Um, I reckon, you know, he's going to be a pretty underrated guy coming into the season. I don't really see much buzz about him. I don't know if Raj will be, or whoever's appearing on that running back podcast in a couple of weeks will be shouting him out. But to me, he doesn't seem to get a lot of buzz on Twitter. And I'd expect him to go over a thousand yards with a full slate of games this year. Um, for yeah. The first time he got six, oh, sorry, 762 rushing yards last year, and 914 all-purpose in eight games. So adding a couple of games, I think he's going to go over a thousand and really vault himself into everyone's kind of you know mind and eye, really. And, you know, they, they never really have a great deal at quarterback. And that's the same again, Spencer Petrus. It's kind of like, who's that kind of thing? Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. this, this team's still going to be good. And I'd back them for the West, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, you talk about Goodson. I mean, I, I've, I've got two college football fantasy leagues this year. I've got him in both of them. And he just keeps nice. sliding, sliding down the board. And you're like, guys, this guy's going to be like a, a proper workhorse this year. Mm. I mean, you guys behind him are redshirt freshman, redshirt freshman, redshirt senior. So... Obviously, Goodson's established and he's that guy. But, yeah, I uh, I completely agree. I think he's got a lot of um, potential to go, you know, that kind of mid-round running back um, who kind of comes out of nowhere sort of thing when it comes to the draft. And, and if he has a big 1,000-yard, you can definitely see him declaring this year, can't you? So, mm. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. And just worth mentioning Wisconsin as well on, on that side of the division. Um, mm. Obviously, kind of perennially in amongst it, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Graham Mertz flashed like he was a very, very good quarterback last year. I think he had some COVID issues then. I think he I think he might have caught COVID before the week two game after we threw four four touchdowns and yeah, that's right. absolutely yeah, lit up the place in the first game of their season last year. So hopefully he's back to yeah, back to his best. Um, he's got a big career ahead of him if he can play like he did in that first game every 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 week this year. And and they seem to be a bit of a running back and O-line factory as well, don't they? Jalen Berger's the running back this year. Um, I had a quick look at their depth chart before we started this as well. And it just jumped off the page to me that there was a ton of returning seniors, a lot of um, guys making use of that extra year of eligibility. And that is a very experienced Wisconsin team. So, um, if you're looking for a kind of, I don't know whether it's a lock for them to make the, the championship game, but not the championship game, the conference title game, um, I think they'll be, uh, they're my favourites for, for that side of the division. Yeah, I think those are two of the best teams in the West, aren't they? So they've kind of cut from the same cloth almost in the way that we've just described them. Yeah. And yeah, just as you mentioned that, I am actually just on their depth chart now, just having a little look, as you mentioned them, and they do have a heck of a lot of returning seniors, especially at the right places like along the offensive line and at receiver and things like that. So yeah. the guys who know how to get it done are going to be there. Yeah, so be really, like, that That, that one, obviously, like I've just said, I think Wisconsin, for me, are the, the guys that are going to go and get it and Iowa are up there as well. But that's quite wide open, the West, isn't it? So there's quite a good chance for uh, a team that maybe doesn't get in amongst it every year, your Minnesotas, that sort of thing, to to, to kind of bounce back and, and, um, and push for... A title game, maybe like we saw some surprises last year, didn't we? I know you're going to mention Indiana in a second, maybe, but um, even like Illinois this year, they obviously got Brett Bielema uh, coming in as their new head coach. In my piece, I wrote like my preview for, for the conference. I'm quite quite intrigued to see what he can do there. Seems to be a man with a lot of experience in the Big Ten and and other kind of like the more gritty teams in college football. So I, I think he could kind of fight to try and turn around. I think they've only got one winning record in the last 
20 years maybe or maybe no three three in the last 20 years and none in the last 10 so uh fascinating to see if he can improve on that yeah definitely the lovey smith thing didn't really work out there did it no at all. <laughs> so, it did not, which no. is kind of surprising since he's got nfl pedigree and things like that but yeah, just been rooted to the bottom of that uh, division. And Northwestern obviously probably aren't going to be as good as they are as well. And they won that side of the conference last year. So, yeah, a bit of a jumbled jumbled uh, scene really in the West there. So, wonder how it will turn out. But, yeah, I think, we've, I think we have pinpointed the two best teams there amongst us, for sure. So, here's then with some players. Who, who are we looking out for players-wise this, on this conference? Have you gone offence? Because I've gone both defensive players I'm going to mention. <laughs> I'll go off. I'll go offense tonight. I have got. I just want to shout out Owen Carney from Illinois. I won't spend a lot of time on him, but I mentioned him in that article again, which we'll post a link to underneath this, uh, underneath the link to the podcast. Check him out. Owen Carney is a bit of an underrated guy. Kind of to put himself in the transfer portal uh, after a good five sack season uh, last year. He's a defensive end slash outside linebacker, 6'3", 275 pounds. Um, B, uh, B. first kind of priority on taking the head coach job was to get Carney to stay. He left left the transfer portal back on campus, kind of the guy in that on that Illinois defense. So check that out. Um, I'll stick in Illinois actually for an offensive player who no one's shouting out. That's Chase Brown, um, running back, kind of very low sense of gravity, not getting a lot of buzz at all. Kind of won the the, the starters job last year, and one of those guys that you kind of see hit the back of the offensive line, you think that's going to be a yard or nothing. And then the camera kind of sit, shows him slipping out the other side, 10, 15 yard kind of chunk play sort of guy from the running back position because they split time last year in their, their backfield. But Brown, I think, has won that job. Yeah, definitely one for me to watch out for. Um, and kind of, I, I just love the under the ra- under the radar sort of guys. Obviously, we everyone likes to spot them for their kind of drafted and everything like that. And, and that's not really why I like them. I just like, seeing guys succeed on teams which shouldn't be succeeding. So Chase Brown's definitely one of them. Um, yeah, go on, hit, hit us with your defensive guys while I conjure up a, another offensive player. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to take them all. I just thought um, I just thought it would be really defensive heavy if I didn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, the one I want to talk about as, as much as possible um, would be Brandon Smith from Penn State, linebacker. 6'3", just under, under 240. Um, just seems to be this new age prototypical linebacker who's just really long and can run all day. I've seen one article comparing to Isaiah Simmons as well, which I guess is kind of like the lazy comp, the lazy comp <laughs> nowadays when you have a tall linebacker who can run around a lot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we had Micah Parsons obviously in Penn State. who was, I was going to say at the beginning, I was going to say like he's kind of taking the limelight for the linebacker position, but he was basically you know, their stab on the defensive side of the ball just in general. So I'm wanting to see Brandon Smith kind of step out of his shadow a little bit and be the guy because he was a five-star recruit, number one linebacker in the 2019 class. And from what I have seen, he's very, very talented. Um, so I'm just, yeah, like I say, I'm wanting to be that leader of this defense because like you say, Penn State, they've got a tough schedule and they'll be battling Ohio State for the top of that Eastern division. So yeah, I just thought I'd give some some sort of props to him and um, definitely want to earmark for the future. I'm not sure on the Isaiah Simmons sort of comp too much personally because he doesn't strike me as like Isaiah Simmons obviously was like this hybrid safety linebacker. Brandon Smith just seems like a really good linebacker, almost like a bit of like a, I don't know, like a, like a taller Roquan Smith almost. He yeah. just seems to be yeah. sideline to sideline rather than being this like coverage safety kind of guy, which uh, Isaiah Simmons was. But like I say it's that like easy comp that you're easily able to make. Uh, and my second one was a guy we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago on our Edge and Defensive Line podcast. He's Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. 
He's just going to be a big my guy. I just didn't expect any edge rushers to come close to Gabe on Thibodeau in my rankings. And he's edge two for me. And it's, it's quite close, actually. I think Keith had him pretty much the same. So, yeah, not a flashy guy, but a, like a proper-sized edge rusher um, in a class of quite small guys. Um, I do really like him. I think he can really do it all. And I just had a bit of a thought, actually, just before we came on, that I actually mocked him to the charges in my way too early mock just after the draft. So... Maybe it's a sign. <laughs> so yeah. Maybe it's a sign why I wanted him to to succeed and, and well probably be overdrafted uh, drafted before the Chargers get on the board if he is as good as I think he is. But yeah, just two defensive guys, and you know, I wanted to give a shout out to Michigan because I never thought them up yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> I know it, it was kind of like he he was kind of being mock drafted like, like around the twenty to thirty kind of range this year, wasn't he? So. Mm. Like, you know, if he if he comes back and plays to his full potential, then then he's definitely kind of top ten sort of lock, really. But mm. yeah, um, a couple of good guys there. I've got one more to shout out. Not that I particularly like him as a sort of person, but one to watch here is um, Peyton Hendershot from Indiana, the tight end. Um, obviously, had some domestic violence charges and suspended a bit in twenty twenty. But um, kind of, if you're looking for the tight end. Like the best tight end in the conference for me is probably him at the moment. With kind of Ty Fogel and Michael Phoenix, Indiana have got like a very, very good uh, kind of through the air passing game sort of attack uh, mm. there. So, yeah, look out for Hendershot, six foot four, um, kind of lines up as a receiver rather than um, off the line of scrimmage as well. So, yeah, good, good, good one to shout out there. Um, like I say, doesn't seem like the most pleasant of chaps based on his, uh, his, his personal life uh, or the personal life stories we can read about him. But mm. um, if you know how the NFL seems to disregard that more and more uh, every year, so I'm sure he's got his eye on, the, on playing on Sundays as well. <laughs> Yeah, you know, certain teams in particular don't don't seem exactly. to toss about that sort of thing, do they? But yeah, no, it's, it's a team. Obviously, we've not actually spoken about too much, and I was expecting them to be mentioned a bit, to be honest, because obviously, a really good season last year. Um, you know, everyone kind of points to their, like you say, their main guys, really. You know, Penix, uh, Fogel and Henshaw on offense, and to be fair, they've obviously kept them all, and you know, they couldn't be making another run at it because it seems like there's not too many kind of guys gone on to the NFL, and they've not lost too many players, so. I'd expect them to be able to repeat that as well. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, I mean, it's if we didn't have Ohio State in there, we, we're talking about this conference exactly <laughs> the same as we're talking about the Pats Vale, wouldn't we? We're kind of saying a lot of good teams, really interested to see who's going to come through and win it this year. But they've got this kind of <laughs> behemoth of a team just kind of sat there like laughing at other people. I mean, they laughed at other people last year and, and got through the, to the uh, conference title game without... Like they weren't supposed to play, were they? Playing mm. games and yeah, all it. that sort of stuff. And Kieran was really bitter about that, and, and <laughs> feel really bitter about that. So, um, I mean, to be fair, anything that makes Kieran feel a bit bitter should should make me happy. So, <laughs> <laughs> up the Ohio State. <laughs> he won't be listening to this one because we will be talking about Ohio State way exactly, too much. Yeah. Like it. Um, but yeah, no, they, they did bend the rules for them actually. No, you just reminded me of that. Actually, they did kind of bend the rules to get them in, didn't they? Because otherwise, yeah. no. No one would have wanted Northwestern versus whoever it was, Indiana, wouldn't it, in the yeah. last year? Um, so I guess we kind of lean on to our final thoughts and we kind of already summed it up, really, haven't we? That it's pretty much one team that rules it all and the rest can kind of fight for the scraps a little bit. Do you see any of the any other team kind of being a top 10 sort of ranked team? Like if we if we were to bring the playoffs forward, the 12 team playoff forward, do you think, you know, how many other teams do you reckon would be in there? In a top 12. 
or a top 10, wherever, wherever it takes your fancy. I, I do think that there's some top 10, 12 worthy teams in here. I don't think they'd trouble the top four as the, the format would be now. And I don't know if they'd trouble the teams at the top of that. Because if we're thinking, if it's kind of seeded in the, the typical fashion where you know, one plays 12, etc., I don't know if they'd be troubling the top teams in the playoff game. But yeah, I do. I think the, I mean, the teams that we've just been talking about, really, I think a good Iowa team, a good Wisconsin team could definitely get in the playoffs quite regularly, I think, when it goes to that. And a good Penn State team, definitely. Obviously, Indiana aren't a historical team. It's sort of kind of a caught, caught a bit of lightning in the bottle over the past couple of years, haven't they? But um, yeah, I'd expect to see these guys regularly in the college world playoff uh, this year. I don't know. I think Penn State is probably the second best team on paper. I think you gave it a really good rundown earlier. A lot of kind of talent just smattered all the way through the roster, really. Whereas I think I'm looking at maybe an Iowa team that's got a lot on offense, but maybe not so much on defense. I think we're maybe saying the same for Wisconsin and maybe the same for Indiana as well, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, maybe like I say, Penn State is the second best team for me. They definitely make a top 12 this year and maybe an Iowa and Wisconsin as well. Yeah, what about yourself? Yeah, I was going to say the same. I, I really like the fact that Penn State are doing two whiteout games as well this year, which oh, is nice, just like, yeah, epic to watch on the on the TV, isn't it? And you mm. kind of like one of those ones where it's on the bucket list to go and do and and, and like you know sit there in person. So yeah, I, I think Penn State are, are up there. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Penn State ranking out at like six or seven if they lose to uh, Ohio State as we expect. But if they kind of pick up the wins from the rest of these games, especially if they get past Auburn, I can see uh, top six or seven sort of ranking there. So, yeah, um, interested to see if Sean Clifford can finally realise that potential. We seem to get that little hype every year, don't we? It's always like, oh, I mean, I was speaking to Rob last year, weren't we? And Rob was kind of grading out Clifford as a as one of the top guys. Obviously, didn't come to fruition last year and mm. a lot of bad decision-making at times. But new offensive coordinator, they had that kind of excuse of the new of the kind of offensive coordinator with no experience of working with him in COVID last year. So they've done the same as which I mentioned about Baylor last week and blamed the offensive coordinator for last year's poor performance, fired him, but brought in a guy who, as much as we like, don't like Sam Ellinger, like you, which kind of made Ellinger a passable college quarterback. So interested to see what he can do with Clifford. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. And maybe when Micah Parsons isn't terrorising the dressing room, then exactly. maybe everyone will be a little <laughs> bit happier as well. Allegedly, we should say. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's going to be a good conference. It always is a good conference to watch. Um, and yeah, I think we've, we've kind of been like the right teams there. And you know, there's a lot of talent, a lot of NFL talent that will come from this every single year. So you're going to be watching, if you're watching Big Ten football, you're going to be watching a lot of NFL players on your Saturday. Exactly. Right, mate. Sounds about right. I think we've got the ACC to do next week, which is my uh, baby. And I'm going to say the same thing again next week. Uh, one good team and a lot of good teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was Sounds thinking familiar. exactly that, exactly <laughs> that for next week. So, yeah, catch us, catch us then. We're going to be talking about the ACC, obviously, leaving the, the Super Conference, the SEC, to last in our, in our preview schedule. So, uh, yeah, so catch us then. We'll be going to be talking ACC next week, myself and Andy, back next week. So, uh, yeah, catch you then. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards. Thank you for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.